0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. CAPTAIN BLOOD by Raphael Sabatini Section 15 THE RANSOM In the glory of the following morning, sparkling and clear after the storm, with an invigorating briny tang in the air, from the salt-ponds on the south of the island, a curious scene was played on the beach of the Vergen Magra, at the foot of a ridge of bleached dunes, beside the spread of sail from which Levasseur had improvised a tent. Enthroned upon an empty cask, sat the French filibuster to transact important business, the business of making himself safe with the governor of Tortuga. A guard of honour of a half-dozen officers hung about him, Five of them were rude bouquin hunters, in stained jerkins and leather breeches. The sixth was Cahusac. Before him, guarded by two half-naked negroes, stood young Doljaran, in frilled shirt and satin small clothes, and fine shoes of cordovan leather. He was stripped of doublet, and his hands were tied behind him. The young gentleman's comely face was haggard. Near at hand, and also under guard, but unpinioned, Mademoiselle his sister sat hunched upon a hillock of sand. She was very pale, and it was in vain that she sought to veil in a mask of arrogance the fears by which she was assailed. Le Vasseur addressed himself to Monsieur Daugerand. He spoke at long length. In the end, I trust, monsieur, said he, with mock suavity, that I have made myself quite clear. So that there may be no misunderstandings, I will recapitulate. Your ransom is fixed at twenty thousand pieces of eight, and you shall have liberty on parole to go to Tortuga to collect it. In fact, I shall provide the means to convey you thither, and you shall have a month in which to come and go. Meanwhile, your sister remains with me as a hostage. Your father should not consider such a sum excessive as the price of his son's liberty, and to provide a dowry for his daughter. Indeed, if anything, I am too modest. Tardi. Monsieur de is reputed a wealthy man. Monsieur de the younger raised his head and looked the captain boldly in the face. I refuse utterly and absolutely, do you understand? So do your worst and be damned for a filthy pirate without decency and without honor. But what words! laughed Levasseur. La what heat! and what foolishness! You have not considered the alternative. When you do, you will not persist in your refusal. You will not do that in any case. We have spurs for the reluctant. And I warn you against giving me your parole under stress, and afterwards playing me false. I shall know how to find and punish you. Meanwhile, remember your sister's honor is in pawn to me. Should you forget to return with the dowry, you will not consider it unreasonable that I forget to marry her. Levasseur's smiling eyes, intent upon the young man's face, saw the horror that crept into his glance m. d'auron cast a wild glance at mademoiselle and observed the grey despair that had almost stamped the beauty from her face the disgust and fury swept across his countenance then he braced himself and answered resolutely no you dog a thousand times no you are foolish to persist levasseur spoke without anger with a cold mocking regret his fingers had been busy tying knots in a length of whipcord. He held it up. You know this? It is a rosary of pain that has wrought the conversion of many a stubborn heretic. It is capable of screwing the eyes out of a man's head by way of helping him to see reason. As you please. He flung the length of knotted cord to one of the negroes, who in an instant made it fast about the prisoner's brows. Then between cord and cranium the black inserted a short length of metal. Round and slender as a pipe stem, that done, he rolled his eyes toward Levasseur, awaiting the captain's signal. Levasseur considered his victim and beheld him tense and braced, his haggard face of a leaden hue, beads of perspiration glinting on his pallid brow just beneath the whipcord. Mademoiselle cried out and would have risen, but her guards restrained her, and she sank down again, moaning. I beg that you will spare yourself, and your sister," said the captain, by being reasonable. What after all is the sum I have named? To your wealthy father a bagatelle? I repeat, I have been too modest. But since I have said twenty thousand pieces of eight, twenty thousand pieces it shall be." And for what, if you please, have you said twenty thousand pieces of eight? In execrable French, but in a voice that was crisp and pleasant. Seeming to echo some of the mockery that had invested Levasseur's, that question floated over their heads. Startled, Levasseur and his officers looked up and around. On the crest of the dunes behind them, in sharp silhouette against the deep cobalt of the sky, they beheld a tall, lean figure, scrupulously dressed in black with silver lace, a crimson ostrich plume curled about the broad brim of his hat, affording the only touch of color. Under that hat, was the tawny face of captain blood Levasseur gathered himself up with an oath of amazement he had conceived captain blood by now well below the horizon on his way to tortuga assuming him to have been so fortunate as to have weathered last night's storm launching himself upon the yielding sand into which he sank to the level of the calves of his fine boots of spanish leather captain blood came sliding erect to the beach he was followed by wolverstone and a dozen others As he came to a standstill, he doffed his hat with a flourish, to the lady. Then he turned to Le Vassieux. "'Good morning, my captain,' said he, and proceeded to explain his presence. "'It was last night's hurricane compelled our return. We had no choice but to ride before it with stripped poles, and it drove us back the way we had gone. Moreover, as the devil would have it, the Santiago sprang her mainmast, and so I was glad to put to a cove on the west of the island a couple miles away and we've walked across to stretch our legs, and to give you good day. But who are these? And he designated the man and the woman. Kahusak shrugged his shoulders, and tossed his long arms to heaven. Voila! said he, pregnantly, to the firmament. Le gnawed his lip, and changed colour, but he controlled himself to answer civilly. As you see, two prisoners. Ah! Washed ashore in last night's gale, eh? Not so. Levasseur contained himself with difficulty before that irony. They were in the Dutch brig. I don't remember that you mentioned them before. I did not. They are prisoners of my own. A personal matter. They are French. French! Captain Blood's eyes stabbed at Levasseur, then at the prisoners. M. Delgeron stood tense and braced as before, but the grey horror had left his face. Hope had leapt within him at this interruption. Obviously, as little expected by his tormentor as by himself. His sister, moved by a similar intuition, was leaning forward with parted lips and gaping eyes. Captain Blood fingered his lip and frowned thoughtfully upon Levasseur. Yesterday you surprised me by making war upon the friendly Dutch, but now it seems that not even your own countrymen are safe from you. Have I not said that these that this is a matter personal to me? Ah! And their names? Captain Blood's crisp, authoritative, faintly disdainful manner stirred Levasseur's quick anger. The blood crept slowly back into his bleached face, and his glance grew in insolence, almost in menace. Meanwhile, the prisoner answered for him: I am Henri Daugiron, and this is my sister. Daugiron? Captain Blood stared. Are you related by chance to my good friend, the governor of Tortuga? He is my father. Levoisieux swung aside with an imprecation in Captain Blood, amazement for the moment quenched every other emotion. The saints preserve us now, are you quite mad, Levasseur? First, you molest the Dutch, who are our friends. Next, you take prisoners two persons that are French, your own countrymen and now, faith, they're no less than the children of the Governor of Tortuga, which is the one safe place of shelter that we enjoy in these islands. Levasseur broke in angrily. Must I tell you again that this is a matter personal to me? I make myself alone responsible to the Governor of Tortuga. And the twenty thousand pieces of eight, is that also a matter personal to you? It is. Now I don't agree with you at all. Captain Blood sat down on the cast that Le had lately occupied, and looked up blandly. I may inform you, to save time, that I heard the entire proposal that you made to this lady and this gentleman, And I'll also remind you that we sail under articles that admit no ambiguities. You have fixed their ransom at twenty thousand pieces of eight. That sum then belongs to your cruise and mine, in the proportions by the articles established. You'll hardly wish to dispute it. But what is far more grave is that you have concealed from me this part of the prizes taken on your last cruise. And for such an offence as that, the articles provide certain penalties that are somewhat severe in character. Oh, Oh," laughed lavoisier unpleasantly then added if you dislike my conduct we can dissolve the association that is my intention but we'll dissolve it when and in the manner that i choose and that will be as soon as you have satisfied the articles under which we sailed upon this cruise what do you mean i'll be as short as i can said captain blood i'll waive for the moment the unseemliness of making war upon the dutch Of taking french prisoners and of provoking the anger of the governor of tortuga i'll accept the situation as i find it yourself you fix the ransom of this couple at twenty thousand pieces and as i gather the lady is to be your perquisite but why should she be your perquisite more than another's seeing that she belongs by the articles to all of us as a prize of war black as thunder grew the brow of la vassure however added captain blood I'll not dispute her to you if you are prepared to buy her. Buy her? At the price you have set upon her. Levasseur contained his rage, that he might reason with the Irishman. That is the ransom of the man. It is to be paid for him by the governor of Tortuga. No, no, ye've parceled the twain together. Very oddly, I confess. Ye've set their value at twenty thousand pieces, and for that sum you may have them, since you desire it but you'll pay for them the twenty thousand pieces that are ultimately to come to you, as the ransom of one and the dowry of the other, and that sum shall be divided among our crews. So that you do that, it is conceivable that our followers may take a lenient view of your breach of the articles we jointly signed." Levasseur laughed savagely. Ha! sa! creux, Dieu! the good jest! I quite agree with you, said Captain Blood. To Levasseur, the jest lay in that Captain Blood, with no more than a dozen followers, should come there attempting to hector him, who had a hundred men with an easy call. But it seemed that he had left out of his reckoning something which his opponent had counted in for as laughing still, Levasseur swung to his officers, he saw that which choked the laughter in his throat. Captain Blood had shrewdly played upon the cupidity that was the paramount inspiration of those adventurers. And Le now read clearly on their faces how completely they adopted Captain Blood's suggestion that all must participate in the ransom which their leader had thought to appropriate to himself. It gave the gaudy ruffian pause, and whilst in his heart he cursed those followers of his, who could be faithful only to their greed, he perceived, and only just in time, that he had best tread warily. "'You misunderstand,' he said, swallowing his rage. "'The ransom is for division when it comes. "'The girl, meanwhile, is mine on that understanding.' "'Good,' grunted Cahusac. and that understanding all arranges itself.' "'You think so?' said Captain Blood. "'But if Monsieur Delgeron should refuse to pay the ransom, what then?' He laughed, and got lazily to his feet. "'No, no. "'If Captain Lavoisier is meanwhile to keep the girl, as he proposes, then let him pay this ransom, and be his the risk, if it should afterwards not be forthcoming. That's it, cried one of Lavoisier's officers, and Cahusac added, It's reasonable that—Captain Blood is right. It is in the articles. What is in the articles, you fools? Lavoisier was in danger of losing his head. Sacre Dieu! Where do you suppose that I have twenty thousand pieces? My whole share of the prizes of this cruise does not come to half that sum. I'll be your debtor until I've earned it. Will that content you?' All things considered, there is not a doubt that it would have done so, had not Captain Blood intended otherwise. "'And if you should die before you've earned it? Ours is a calling fraught with risks, my captain.' "'Damn you!' Lavoisier flung upon him livid with fury. "'Will nothing satisfy you?' "'Oh, but yes. Twenty thousand pieces of eight for immediate division. I haven't got it.' "'Then let someone buy the prisoners who has.' "'And who do you suppose has it if I have not?' "'I have,' said Captain Blood. "'You have?' Lavoisier's mouth fell open. "'You? You want the girl?' "'Why not? And I exceed you in gallantry, in that I will make sacrifices to obtain her, and in honesty in that I am ready to pay for what I want.' Lavoisier stared at him foolishly agape. Behind him pressed his officers, gaping also. Captain Blood sat down again on the cask, and drew from an inner pocket of his doublet a little leather bag. I am glad to be able to resolve a difficulty that at one moment seemed insoluble, and under the bulging eyes of Le and his officers he untied the mouth of the bag, and rolled into his left palm four or five pearls, each of the size of a sparrow's egg. There were twenty such in the bag, the very pick of those taken in that raid upon the pearl fleet. You boast the knowledge of pearls, Cahusac. at what do you value this?" The Breton took, between coarse finger and thumb, the proffered, lustrous, delicately iridescent sphere, his shrewd eyes appraising it. "'A thousand pieces,' he answered shortly. It will fetch rather more in Tortuga or Jamaica," said Captain Blood, "'and twice as much in Europe. But I'll accept your valuation. They are almost of a size, as you can see. Here are twelve, representing twelve thousand pieces of eight, which is Lafourde's share of three fifths of the prize, as provided by the articles. For the eight thousand pieces that go to the Arabella, I make myself responsible to my own men. And now, Wolverstone, if you please, will you take my property aboard the Arabella? He stood up again, indicating the prisoners. Ah, no! Levasseur threw wide the floodgates of his fury ah that no by example you shall not take her he would have sprung upon captain blood who stood aloof alert tight-lipped and watchful but it was one of levasseur's own officers who hindered him nom de dieu mon captain what will you do it is settled honorably settled with satisfaction to all to all blazed levasseur ah sah to all of you you animals but what of me Cahusac, with the pearls clutched in his capacious hand, stepped up to him on the other side. Don't be a fool, captain. Do you want to provoke trouble between the crews? His men outnumber us by nearly two to one. What's a girl, more or less? In heaven's name, let her go. He's paid handsomely for her and dealt fairly with us. Dealt fairly? roared the infuriated captain. You... In all his foul vocabulary, he could find no epithet to describe his lieutenant. He caught him a blow that almost sent him sprawling. The pearls were scattered in the sand. Cahusac dived after them, his fellows with him. Vengeance must wait. For some moments they groped there on hands and knees, oblivious of all else. And yet, in those moments, vital things were happening. Levasseur, his hand on his sword, his face a white mask of rage, was confronting Captain Blood to hinder his departure. You do not take her while I live, he cried. Then I'll take her when you're dead,' said Captain Blood, and his own blade flashed in the sunlight. The articles provide that any man of whatever rank, concealing any part of a prize, be it of the value of no more than a peso, shall be hanged at the yard arm. It's what I intended for you in the end, but since ye prefer this way, ye muckrake, faith, I'll be humouring you.' He waved away the men who would have interfered, and the blades rang together. Monsieur Delcheron looked on, a man bemused unable to surmise what the issue either way could mean for him. Meanwhile two of Blood's men, who had taken the place of the Frenchman's negro guards, had removed the crown of whipcord from his brow. As for Mademoiselle, she had risen, and was leaning forward, a hand pressed tightly to her heaving breast, her face deathly pale, a wild terror in her eyes. It was soon over, the brute strength upon which Levasseur so confidently counted, could avail nothing against the Irishman's practised skill. When, with both lungs transfixed, he lay prone on the white sand, coughing out his rascally life, Captain Blood looked calmly at Cahusek across the body. "'I think that cancels the articles between us,' he said. With soulless, cynical eyes, Cahusac considered the twitching body of his recent leader. Had Levasseur been a man of different temper, the affair might have ended in a very different manner. But then it is certain that Captain Blood would have adopted in dealing with him different tactics. As it was, Levasseur commanded neither love nor loyalty. The men who followed him were the very dregs of that vile trade, and cupidity was their only inspiration. Upon that cupidity Captain Blood had deftly played until he had brought them to find Levasseur guilty of the one offence they deemed unpardonable, the crime of appropriating to himself something which might be converted into gold and shared amongst them all. Thus, now the threatening mob of buccaneers that came hastening to the theatre of that swift, tragicomedy were appeased by a dozen word of cahousacks. Whilst they hesitated, blood added something to quicken their decision. If you will come to our anchorage, you shall receive at once your share of the booty of the Santiago, which you may dispose of as you please. They crossed the island, the two prisoners accompanying them, and later that day, the division made, they would have parted company, but that Cahusac, at the instances of the men who had elected him Levasseur's successor, offered Captain Blood anew the services of that French contingent. "'If you will sail with me again,' the captain answered him, you may do so on the condition that you make your peace with the Dutch, and restore the brig and her cargo.' The condition was accepted, and Captain Blood went off to find his guests. The children of Governor Tortuga, Mademoiselle Dolcheron and her brother, the latter now relieved of his bonds, sat in the great cabin of the Arabella, whither they had been conducted. Wine and food had been placed upon the table by Benjamin, Captain Blood's Negro steward and cook, who had intimated to them that it was for their entertainment, but it had remained untouched. Brother and sister sat there in agonized bewilderment, conceiving that their escape was but from frying pan to fire. At length, overwrought by the suspense, Mademoiselle flung herself upon her knees before her brother to implore his pardon for all the evil brought upon them by her wicked folly. Monsieur D'Augeron was not in a forgiving mood. I am glad that at least you realize what you have done. And now this other filibuster has bought you, and you belong to him. You realize that too, I hope. He might have said more, but he checked upon perceiving that the door was opening. Captain Blood, coming from settling matters with the followers of Levasseur, stood on the threshold. M. Dolgeron had not troubled to restrain his high-pitched voice, and the captain had overheard the Frenchman's last two sentences. Therefore, he perfectly understood why Mademoiselle should bound up at the sight of him and shrink back in fear. "'Mademoiselle,' said he in his vile but fluent French, "'I beg you to dismiss your fears. Aboard this ship you shall be treated with all honor." So soon as we are in case to put to sea again, we steer a course for Tartuga, to take you home to your father, and pray do not consider that I have bought you, as your brother has just said. All I have done has been to provide the ransom necessary to bribe a gang of scoundrels to depart from obedience to the arch-scoundrel who commanded them, and so deliver you from all peril. Count it, if you please, a friendly loan, to be repaid entirely at your convenience. Mademoiselle stared at him in unbelief. Monsieur Daugiron rose to his feet. Monsieur, is it possible that you are serious? I am. It may not happen often nowadays. I may be a pirate, but my ways are not the ways of Levasseur, who should have stayed in Europe and practised purse cutting. I have a sort of honor, shall we say, some rags of honor, remaining me from better days. Then on a brisker note he added. We dine in an hour, and I trust that you will honour my table with your company. Meanwhile, Benjamin will see, monsieur, that you are more suitably provided in the matter of wardrobe. He bowed to them and turned to depart again, but Mademoiselle detained him. Monsieur, she cried sharply. He checked and turned, while slowly she approached him, regarding him between dread and wonder. Oh, you are noble. I shouldn't put it as high as that myself, said he you are you are and it is but right that you should know all madelon her brother cried out to restrain her but she would not be restrained her surcharged heart must overflow in confidence monsieur for what befell i am greatly at fault this man this he stared incredulous. in his turn my god is it possible that animal abruptly she fell on her knees caught his hand and kissed it before he could wrench it from her what do you do? he cried. En amant, in my mind, I dishonored you by deeming you his like, by conceiving your fight with Levasseur a combat between jackals. On my knees, monsieur, I implore you to forgive me. Captain Blood looked down upon her, and a smile broke on his lips, irradiating the blue eyes that looked so oddly light in that tawny face. Why, child, said he, I might find it hard to forgive you the stupidity of having thought otherwise as he handed her to her feet again he assured himself that he had behaved rather well in the affair then he sighed that dubious fame of his that had spread so quickly across the caribbean would by now have reached the ears of arabella bishop that she would despise him he could not doubt deeming him no better than all the other scoundrels who drove this villainous buccaneering trade therefore he hoped that some echo of this deed might reach her also and beset by her against some of that contempt. For the whole truth, which he withheld from Mademoiselle d'Acheron, was that in venturing his life to save her, he had been driven by the thought that the deed must be pleasing in the eyes of Miss Bishop, could she but witness it. End of section fifteen